Hi, listeners. Today's episode is a reminder to be thankful for your opportunities. And that's and that and that's a great moment. I think a lot of people, um, they just they they are who they practice to be. So if you practice gratitude, then you will be grateful. If you practice like against all odds, opening your heart when no one else will, that's supernatural. And it gets easier to do it in, in situations that require less effort to do it. And I think that people like you'll, you know, we'll have a thousand people at this event uh, coming from all over the world and, and uh, they'll learn how to do that. And if you're going to believe in a future, you know, that you're imagining with all of your heart, it better be open and activated. And we actually measure I think, first of all, science is the contemporary language of mysticism. I think, you know, if you're studying uh, the life of Jesus as an example or Buddha, that was the language of the time, right? Mm-hmm. So here we are in the contemporary world, and science has become that language. So when you combine a little quantum physics with neuroscience and neuroendocrinology and psychoneuroimmunology and epigenetics, all, all of those different branches of sciences, the new sciences point the finger at possibility. And in this particular work, I think that the more you understand what you're doing and why you're doing it, the how gets easier mm-hmm. because you can assign meaning to what you, what you do. So then uh, this is a time in history where it's not enough to know. There's a time in history to know how because right. information is so readily available. You, you can gain information. You don't need an authority. You don't need a priest. You don't need a teacher. You don't need a governor. Uh, you, you, you can gain information without some passing through some type of authority. And so people are empowered. And the next most practical question is, how am I going to apply this to my life? Now, when you learn new things, you make new connections in your brain. That's what learning is. But if you can't remember what you learned, then you haven't made any new connections that are sustainable or maintainable. So the more the person can repeat what they've learned, Mm -hmm. uh, the more they're installing the neurological hardware in their brain in preparation for the experience. And so now they're priming their brain for the act, right? And when the experience happens... Experience then enriches the circuitry in your brain. That's what experience does. So now you're laying down even more neurological tracks. But the payoff is the chemical called the emotion. And the moment you feel unlimited, the moment you feel grateful, the moment you feel abundant, now you're teaching your body chemically to understand what your mind is intellectually understood. So knowledge is for the mind and experiences for the body. And now we're embodying the truth of that philosophy. And we're literally signaling new genes in new ways and changing our future or, or changing our genetic future. And if you've done it once, then you're an athlete, you'd be able to do it over and over again. And if you keep right. repeating it, you neurochemically condition your mind and body to begin to work as one. And the redundancy of the act over and over again uh, conditions the body to know how to do it better than the mind. <laughs> now it's innate in you. It's second nature. It's easy. It's familiar. It's, it's who you are. And so I think we, we start as philosophers. We initiate, and we become initiates, and then we master it. You know, knowledge, experience, wisdom, mind, body, soul. Uh, learning it with your head, applying it with your hands, knowing it by heart. Uh, thinking to doing to being. And so I think one, to answer that kind of question or that comment is that, yeah, yeah, we should, we should get up as if our prayers are already answered. The problem is, is that our senses fool us into separation. The person says, I want to be healed, I want to be healthy, I want to be wealthy. And they imagine it and they come back and it's not there. And be, when they see it, it's not there. The thought of their future creates the emotion of lack or separation. And the thoughts are the language of the brain and feelings of the language of the body. Now you have mind and body in oppos- opposition. So then... If you think about something like appreciation or thankfulness or gratitude, gratitude, when you are receiving something, when you just receive something, when, when something is happening to you in the moment or something just happened to you that you enjoy or you're, you're surprised about or, you're, or is pleasing to you, you feel this emotion of gratitude. So 
gratitude becomes the uh, the signature, the emotional signature that it's already happened. Mm. Gratitude is the ultimate state of receiving. So now when the person combines a clear intention of their future and they open their heart and they feel the emotion of that future, their body is subjective. It's the unconscious mind. It doesn't know the difference between the actual experience in their life that's creating the emotion and the emotion that they're fabricating by thought alone. In that moment, their body is believing it's in that future, in the present moment. And the stronger the emotion they feel, the more altered they feel inside of them, the more they pay attention to the picture in their mind. And we could say then that they're beginning to remember their future. And biologically, it's the same as remembering your past. So if you keep practicing opening your heart and you keep combining it with a clear intention, then the thought and the feeling changes your state of being, which means then if you keep doing that over time, you'll feel like your future has already happened. Now, what's the significance of that? If you feel like your future has already happened, you stop looking for it. You're no longer waiting and wondering when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. You feel like it's already happened. So now you take your foot off the, the gas and you're no longer trying to predict or control or expect how it's going to happen. You're connected emotionally to your future. Well, the antithesis is also true. The stronger the emotion you feel for some betrayal, some shock, some trauma, the more altered you feel inside of you, the more you narrow your focus on the outer environment and the brain takes a snapshot. And that's called a memory. And so the stronger the emotion, the more the brain embosses the imagery neurologically in the brain. So then the person thinks neurologically within the circuitry of that experience and they feel within the boundaries of those emotions. So then we could say then the person's biology is literally in the past. So you can't create a new future if your state of being is in the past. So people reaffirm their identity this way. They wake up in the morning and they say, let me think about my problems. And those problems are memories of past experiences that are etched in their brain. So they think about the person, the place, the, the object, the experience. And we could say then if they believe that their thoughts have something to do with their destiny, they're thinking in the past. And every one of those problems has an emotion associated. So now they feel unhappy. Now they feel fear. Now they feel unworthy. <laughs> and they might be addicted to those feelings. Oh, no, no. It's a conditioning process because yeah. conditioning, all you need is an image. They've mastered this on television. An image or a brand and an emotion. And all you need is a stimulus and a response. So every time the person remembers their future, or their past, as they remember their past, the image with the emotion is literally subconsciously conditioning their brain and body into the past. And so if they're living in the familiar past, guess what? They're going to predict the, the next future. They're going to want to be able to predict their future so because that's the known. So that there's only one place where the unknown exists, and that's the present moment. And teaching people how to get into the generous present moment takes an act of awareness. And most people would rather turn on their TV or, you know, uh, get on their cell phone. Or, and, th and this is actually, Aubrey, not a bad thing. <laughs> this is actually a, a, a moment of awareness. Yeah. And, you, you know, when you're inside the jar, you can't see the label. And so we have this huge frontal lobe that, that gives us self-awareness. So then the insight never changes anything. You could have the insight that you're addicted to fear, you're addicted to competition, you're addicted to struggle. But that really means is that we're addressing reality matter to matter. And what we're, we're at one point of awareness, one point of consciousness, and we're putting our attention on another point of consciousness, a future, an outcome. And the only way we know how to get there when we're matter trying to change matter is that we force, we control, we predict, we fight for it. Because that's, that's, that's how you are when you're living in survival. So then we have to move our bodies through space, and that takes time. So we think if we rush, that we're actually going to get there faster. But more and more of the rushing creates more of the addiction of those emotions. Because 
the adrenaline that's released is actually an arousal. So a person is using the conditions, the problems, the, the situations in their life to reaffirm their addiction to some emotion. To me, that means we become addicted to the life we don't even like. And so that's why change is so hard. So then let's offer another alternative. Well, when you begin to create from the field instead of from matter, the only way you can do that is you have to learn how to take all of your attention off your body and become a nobody. Take all of your attention off all the people in your life that you give so much of your attention and energy to because you have an emotion associated with them. And get beyond all the people in your life and go from a someone to a no one. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've worked your whole life being a someone, or if you've been working your whole life thinking that you're your body, you're going to have to work a little harder because that's your identity. Sure. That's what you're associated with. Get beyond all the things in your life, your cell phone, your computer, your car, and literally go from something to nothing. If you take all your attention off the place you work, the place you live, the place you need to be, the place you're sitting, and go from somewhere to nowhere, you got to stop thinking about the predictable future and the familiar past and go right into the present moment and go from some time to no time. And if you do that properly, you become pure consciousness. And that's how you enter the field. Mm. Now, we've done the research on this. We call it getting beyond the self. Now, once you are pure consciousness, you're taking all of your attention off this three-dimensional reality. Now, where you place your attention is where you place your energy. So if you've taken all of your attention off of everything material, there's only one place you're going to wind up, and that is the immaterial realm called the quantum field, an invisible field of energy that unifies and connects everything material. So now when you're creating from the field and you combine a clear intention with an elevated emotion and you're connected and you feel connected, the suggestion of an alternative way to create is that when there's a vibrational match between your energy and some future reality, you actually no longer have to go anywhere to get it. You're actually the vortex, and you will collapse space and time and draw the experience to you. Now, that, to me, is a lot more fun because Mm. the experience is the unknown. You can't predict when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen because if you can predict it, it's the known. So then you have to lay down the very thing you use your whole life to get what you want for something greater to occur. Now, that goes against generations untold of conditioning and a lifetime of habituation, believing that we're, we're trapped in this material world. And yet, I can, I can say to you, without a doubt, that once you understand that formula, and once you know how to create that kind of brain and heart coherence, the side effect of that is a change in biology, neurologically, chemically, hormonally, genetically, we've measured it, we've seen gene regulation changes in four days, more brain coherence, more heart coherence, your brain's working better, your heart is, you're trusting your heart, it's open. There's different chemicals that are released, oxytocin suppresses survival centers, resets the baseline of a person's trauma or shock. Your immune system goes up, Mm -hmm. you, you lengthen your telomeres, we've measured that too, so you're changing the future of your body, you're extending your life. That's evidence. Right? So we, we have the evidence to know that it could happen because we've measured it. But the real evidence is watching the testimonial of someone who says, I had stage four cancer. I was told as a 41-year-old woman that I wouldn't live for more than two months. And I have no evidence of cancer in my body at all. Or someone that's a physician who has Parkinson's disease that's tried everything from the medical route and has one transcendental moment and their tremors and their pain are gone. And now they're chewing food, they're swallowing, uh, they're blowing their nose, they're standing up on their own. Uh, That's energy affecting matter. So we have hundreds and hundreds of testimonials of people that not only healed their body, but created pretty profoundly magical things in their life. 
So you have evidence in the scientific world, you have evidence in the practical world, and evidence is the loudest voice right now. And, and the accelerator of that whole process is witnessing it. Because I'll stand on the stage. I did this just in our last week-long event in Cancun. And I watched a man stand on the stage and tell his testimony of his healing. I looked out in the audience. There wasn't a person in the audience that was thinking about anything else. They were, they were, they were witnessing truth right before their eyes, a miracle. Now, you see that, and you look at the person, it doesn't look like a movie star, doesn't look like a vegetarian, doesn't look like they're buffed, doesn't look like uh, they're, 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 they're different than anybody else. They just look like an average person. And the most common thought that happens when you witness that is, if that person can do it, so could I. And that drops the belief right away. You, you cannot go back mm. to being the same person after you witness that. It's, it's impossible. You're witnessing that type of transformation. And stroke patients that have had a paralyzed limb for years or have been blinded by a stroke that have perfect vision again. And the scans from their physician shows a complete 100% recovery. Now, strokes don't heal if they don't heal in two weeks according to the conventional model of medicine. And nerves don't really come back online if they've been damaged uh, uh, after a period of time. And yet we're witnessing those kind of supernatural changes. So then the belief, the subconscious belief that that is impossible. You may say, oh yeah, I believe that a person can be healed. Yeah, I believe in miracles. But when it comes time to actually execute them, you got to step outside a little bit and you got to trust a whole lot. So then when you start witnessing it, um, it becomes like a brush fire. I mean, we see in our events, once we start seeing those healings, we know it's going to just get better and more phenomenological. And then, then the side effect of that is a person with Raynaud syndrome who has incredible sensitivity to cold, that has an immune problem, that is, you can't go out of their house. They stand on the stage and they say, I cannot believe it. I was just outside. It's November in, in London. I don't have no pain in my hands. And someone in the audience watches the same thing. We had four people at that event with Raynaud syndrome go into complete recovery, into complete remission. So just like an infection spreads amongst the community and creates disease, all of a sudden health and wellness can be as infectious as disease. And, and wow, then all of a sudden it's the new consciousness, it's the new way. It's, it's, it's that we don't have to rely on something outside of us to make us feel better inside of us. We, we begin to figure that out. Well, I, I'm actually more interested in, in deepening that understanding, which means do we need a sugar pill saline injection or some false surgery or procedure to change our state of being. I mean, do you need some external influence? Because the sugar pill is a symbol. It's a symbol of possibility. And the person has been conditioned that pills heal people. So they put their power into it. And the moment the physician says, this is a new drug, and the physician is enthusiastic or excited about it, that enthusiasm becomes contagious. And the person all of a sudden sees the possibility in their mind. They actually see a future that they actually could be healthy or better. That's a clear intention. And when they feel optimistic, when they feel inspired, when they feel grateful, when they're changing their emotions or energy, they're combining a clear intention with an elevated emotion. And if thoughts of the vocabulary of the brain and feelings of the vocabulary of the body and how you think and how you feel creates your state of being, they just moved from their past present state of being into a future present state of being. They began to change their brain and body by thought alone. In depression studies where they give someone a placebo and they say this is the best, best drug for depression, four out of five people that are in the placebo study get better or do as well as people who are taking the actual antidepressant. That's, that's 80%, right? But here's the deal. 
They've been taking that sugar pill for about eight weeks. Every day, taking that pill and combining that clear intention with an elevated emotion, they're moving into a new state of being. So now, now what that means is you got to do the work. That means you actually have to practice sitting down, getting beyond all the people in your life, all the things you need to do, the place you need to you got you to get beyond your body wanting to get up and go because it's been programmed that way. And you got to tell your body, you're not getting up until I say. Now, this is when you come out of the bleachers and you get on the playing field because now you have to go from the known self disentangle from those programs and exist in the unknown and possibility. So then the person who's combining the clear intention with an elevated emotion and not relying on some external or exogenous substance, they're doing it by thought alone, changing their state of being, I guarantee you it's going to begin to become a habit. And they're going to know when they're there and when they're not. And the word meditation means to become familiar with. So then the more you become familiar with how you feel in changing that state of being, the easier it will be for you to do it with your eyes open as well as your eyes closed. And if you go back to the old state of being, there's a good probability that your pain or your condition will come back. So there's mm -hmm. this kind of waltz that goes on when people are uh, learning how to heal and change. They take a few steps forward and then a few steps back and then three steps forward and only one step back. Mm -hmm. And they gotta practice, practice self-regulating. They gotta practice what they're paying attention to, what they're unconscious of. And if you, if you stay with it for a long enough period of time, all of a sudden now, the person reaches a point, we've measured what happens, where their chemistry changes so dramatically that they're literally in love with life. Now, imagine what happens when oxytocin is released in the quantities that we see. Oxytocin signals nitric oxide. Nitric oxide signals a chemical called endothelial-derived relaxing factor. And that's a big word or set of words that just means a chemical that signals the arteries in your heart to literally expand. And when they expand, you're getting more blood flow in there. And just like when your sexual organs are around, aroused and there's blood flow in there, now with the same intensity, you're going to feel it right in your heart, and it's going to be way bigger. And now the person's heart is wide open. Now, so here's the question. <laughs> the person feels those emotions. Do you think they're going to want to judge somebody else in that moment? You think they're going to want to hold a grudge? <laughs> they're not going to try to forgive. They're going to feel so amazing. They're not going to want to lose this feeling, and they're just going to say, I forgive you. I, I'm not going to give this feeling up because right. of you. Now, now that's the side effect of true transformation. The side effect is a greater level of consciousness. The side effect is a greater skill set in life. And, and I think that when you start getting good at this, then all the things you thought you wanted, you no longer want because when you're creating more brain and heart coherence, you feel more whole. And the more whole you feel, the less you live in lack. So how could you want many things if you feel whole? It feels like you already have them. And, and that's actually when you start to see those wonderful miracles, those synchronicities, those serendipities, those coincidences happening in a person, those are experiences coming to them. That's the field dropping breadcrumbs saying, keep going, keep going. And there's a synchronization between that person's energy and their future. And the side effect of that are signs. Uh, and, and that's when it gets to be exciting because every sign does what? It creates an enthusiasm and excitement. And you're kind of going, hey, there's another sign. I'm going to go do it again. So now you're not going, oh, I have to meditate today. Oh, jeez, i got to create my life. You're looking forward you're to like, it. You're like, oh, my God, I don't want the magic to stop happening. I'm going to get into it. And every synchronicity creates that elevated emotion, and you use that energy for the next creation, and people climb out of their lives, climb, climb out of their past. So the body's a protein-producing machine. Every single cell in your body except red blood cells makes proteins. 
Muscle cells make muscle proteins, actin and myosin. Skin cells make skin proteins, collagen and elastin. Your stomach cells make stomach proteins called enzymes. Um, your immune system makes immune proteins called antibodies or immunoglobulins. Your eye cells make eye proteins called keratin. So your, your body's a protein producing machine. And in order for those cells to make proteins, a gene has to be regulated. So then they used to say genes create disease. Lie. It's an absolute lie. There's a very small percentage, about 5 to 1% of the people on the planet are born with a true genetic condition like type 1 diabetes. The other 95 to 99% is created from lifestyle or behaviors. The two identical twins sharing the same genome. One dies at 52, the other one dies at 88. Well, what, what happened there? It was the reaction to the environment that caused their genes to be switched on or upregulated to make a healthy protein or downregulated to make a cheaper protein. And, and it turns out that when you're living in stress and living in survival, you're living in emergency mode, and that's not a time for growth and repair. Yeah. That's a time to, to mobilize all the body's energy, all its resources from some endangered situation, real or imagined in their life. So if you're living in emergency mode for an extended period of time, and you keep signaling that gene, well, my goodness, it makes sense then that over time, the gene's gonna begin to wear out, just like, like taking a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. Sooner or later, you're gonna start making a cheaper protein. So the expression of proteins literally is the expression of life. So then, is it possible then to signal the gene ahead of the environment? The answer is absolutely yes. Because if a person's waiting for their wealth to feel abundance, if they're waiting for their health to feel wholeness and gratitude, if they're, if they're waiting for their new relationship to feel love, they're living by the old model of reality of cause and effect waiting for something out there to change to make them feel better in here, take away their lack or emptiness. But the moment the person embraces the emotion ahead of the event, if they understood what they were doing and why they were doing it, then if the environment signals the gene, and it does, and the end product of an experience in the environment is an emotion, when you embrace the emotion ahead of the experience, you're signaling the gene ahead of the environment. And if genes make proteins, and proteins are responsible for the structure and function of your body, you begin to become that very person. So it's not our wealth, it's not our health, it's not our new relationships, it's not the things we accumulate, it's who we become. Yeah. So we overcome the old self, which takes a great act of will and awareness, and we become somebody else. So then when you become it, nobody can take that away from you. In fact, you know that you know how to do it, or you know that you know that you are it. And an abundant person doesn't say, I'm abundant, I'm abundant, I'm abundant, or a healthy person doesn't say, I'm healthy, I'm healthy, I'm healthy. They don't say that, they are it. So then most people have just been fooled by their senses because their 5% of their conscious mind is holding the intent, but their body is habituated into a predictable future or emotionally conditioned into the past. And they're, and they're saying, I'm healthy, I'm healthy, I'm healthy, or I'm happy, I'm happy. And the body's going, you're miserable, you're unhappy. You're, that, that thought can't even make it past the brainstem to the body. So then teaching people how to self-regulate, they have no idea when they started changing their emotional states, the amount of biological and energetic changes that take place within them and all around them. So then develop that skill and get really good at this. Then for the most part, you wouldn't be so interested in, in so many material things. You would be interested in facing off with yourself every day and asking, what is it that stands in the way between me and my future? What is it that stands in the way between me and my connection to the quantum field? That, that's, I think that's the real question. Watson and Crick, you know, telling people that genes are that genes are a library of possibilities. So we express one and a half percent of our DNA. The other ninety-eight and a half percent is called junk DNA, and and that one and a half percent 
That's 23,688 genes we express. We have 140,000 proteins that make up the physical body. How could you have more proteins than genes? It should be one-to-one. Because on one gene, you can have thousands of variations depending on the signal. So I hypothesize that that other 98.5% has to be signaled by electromagnetism, that the receptor sites on the outside of the cells are, are... hundreds of times more sensitive to energy or electromagnetism than the art of chemistry. Chemistry is a downward causation. So imagine the person elevating their energetic state. Well, they are going to literally select and instruct new genes, and, and those genes may, may be the ones that create more significant and faster changes in the body. I mean, how do you explain a person in one meditation that's blind that comes out as now seen? Like, what happened there? What about a stroke patient who... Who, who was paralyzed for years is now moving a limb. I mean, that's, it's, it, it's, it's not matter that emits a field. That's an illusion. It's the field that creates matter. So then the fundamental question is, if you change the field, will you change matter? It's none of your business to change the tumor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, the, that's the outcropping, that's the outpicturing of changing the pattern in the field. So getting people really good at this and the closer they can connect to that unified field, the more they are, their consciousness is connected to that consciousness, the shorter amount of time it'll take. And, and I mean, I believe I'm an eternal being. I believe I'm eternal. And in fact, all religions that you study always talk about you're, you're going to be around for eternity, whether it's heaven or hell, <laughs> whether it's karma or whatever, nirvana, you are going, consciousness is going to exist. So you're going to be stuck with yourself for a very long time, <laughs> which then asks, begs the question, well, if I'm waking up now and it's 2019 and I have this healthy body and this charisma and I'm successful, my goodness, I'm going to use the same passion, that the life that I've created with those great habits, and I'm going to turn it inward and I'm going to bloom like a flower in a new way because, hey, someone did it at 33 years old. You're 38. Mm-hmm. So what? There are people in this, in this group that we're about ready to do that are in their 80s and they could be home watching Wheel of Fortune and they're all in. And you can't tell me you're too old. To do this work, we have people in their 80s and a few in their 90s. I've seen their brain scans, and they know how to do it. And you know what? They're happy. You can't, you can't tell me you're too sick to do this work any longer. We have really, really sick people that have reversed very serious health conditions and even genetic disorders that there were no solutions for in medical science. And there were days that they doubted themselves. And there were days that they didn't feel like doing their meditations. And there were days they were in so much fear because the doctors told them they were stupid and they were going to die. And there were days they could have excused themselves and said, I have too much going on, I'm too busy. And they could have excused themselves and not done the work. But guess what? They did it anyway. They overcame the conditions in their environment. They overcame their beliefs. They overcame those programs, the conditioning. They overcame their body. They overcame their fear, their, their love for life started to become greater than their fear of death. That's just because they made the effort to turn the battleship around. And, and you can't even tell me that you're too overweight or too underweight or too out of shape. I've seen it on all shapes and sizes. You can't even tell me that, you, that you're, you never meditated before. In fact, many times people who have never meditated before have the most profound readings because they're not trying to do anything or expect to do anything or doing it their way. They're just following what, what you tell them to do. And in their innocence, they run right into something really big. So. So, so what? At 38 years old, practicing this, you could say that my new goal is to live for 150 years in a body that's 38 or 48. And we're measuring telomeres. We have people, many people, 
Their biological age is way different than their chronological age. They don't care that they're 38. Their body tells them they're 28. And, and why? Because they're working with down-regulating genes for disease and up-regulating genes for health every day. Why? Because they understand that they can. And if you don't understand that you can and you're ignorant, then it doesn't work. So then, so then people who actually say, I'm going to experiment. I'm going to, become, I'm going to become the scientist with my life. I'm going to measure the effects of me at cost. That's how I live. I say, all right, I'm going to change my energy. I, I can tell you, nobody changes. In all the years I've been doing this, nobody changes until they change their energy. And when you change your energy, you change your life. And why not every day, instead of getting up and searching for your cell phone, 86% of the people that have a smartphone, the first thing they do when they wake up is they do their WhatsApp, their text, their Facebook, they take a picture of their feet, they post it on Facebook, then they do their Instagram, you know, take a picture of their cat, you know, and then they link in and they check one email, the other email, they check the news, and now they're their, their, their attention on everything known in their life. They reaffirm their identity. And then they go through all those routine behaviors. 95% of them, they're not even present and conscious of. There's just a group of them. Or they're, they're remembering their problems in their past. That's how they start their day. And, and don't expect anything in your life to change if your environment is controlling your feelings and thoughts. And if your environment is controlling how you feel and think, and I say to you, Aubrey, why are you so upset today? Oh, well, this person is upsetting me. What you're really saying is that person is controlling your feelings and your thoughts, and that means you're a victim to your environment. So to turn that around and you start realizing your feelings and thoughts create your environment, <laughs> and you start seeing the effects of you at cause, you're going to react less to the people in your life because you're going to understand that you'll be back to the victim consciousness. And, and when you start seeing that you're creating outcomes in your life, you're going to believe more that you're the creator of your life and less the victim of your life. And I say, the more you practice it, the better you get at it. It's a movement now. I mean, I'm waking up in my dream. I, I, I honestly, Aubrey, never thought that I would witness what I'm witnessing in this lifetime. And there is a new consciousness emerging. There's something happening where people are latching on to their own empowerment, latching on to their own unlimitedness. And it's becoming very contagious. So the person, you know, I, I used to golf a lot with my friends. And I, I used to say to them, I mean, I'm a decent golfer, but I'd say to them, I'm just not good enough to get upset. Just, I'm really not. But I'm going to have a lot of fun mm -hmm. and, and I'm going to play. And the more fun I have, the better I play. I watched, you know, you, you duff a shot and then you start getting angry and frustrated. It's the same thing. Yeah. That's, your game is going to, you're going you're gonna to make the same mistake on the next swing because your emotion is keeping you in your past. Mm -hmm. So you got to make a choice to self-regulate or not. And the ones that get right back on that have ice water in their veins that can settle down and refocus again, yeah, those are the ones that execute really well. So the person who can't get beyond themselves, it's just a matter of practicing. How many balls do you have to hit? How many punches do you have to throw? How many kicks do you have to throw? Till all of a sudden you start looking forward to doing it. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, I can tell you this because I've been doing it for a very long time. Some days are easier than others. But I'm not going to give up. I'm just not. I mean, if I'm going to carve out some time, then I'm all in. I'm not, I'm not going to shut my cell phone off. I'm going to disconnect from it. It's all going to be there when I get back. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make my inner world more real than my outer world. And step by step, I mean, you can't get impatient doing this. You can't get frustrated doing this. You can't get resentful doing this. You can't force it or control it doing it. I've seen what happens in the brain. You're going to make your brain worse. So sooner or later, you start figuring out that isn't it. And all of a sudden, you start following the instructions. 
And you start going, wow, that was really easy. What was I doing up to this point? Everything but the formula. You were doing everything else but the formula, doing it your way, mm -hmm. analytical mind telling you to quit, it's too hard, you'll never get it. Yeah, those are the exact things that are standing in the way between you and your future. And every time you become conscious that you do that and you settle back down, that's a victory. Every time your body wants to get up and check an email or check the cell phone or check, get up and get a cup of coffee and you settle it down, you're telling the body it's no longer the mind, that you're the mind. Every time it wants to go back to the past and romance some trauma just to reaffirm some emotional state and you become conscious of that and you say where I place my attention is where I place my energy and I'm siphoning energy out of the present moment into the past and you become conscious of it and return back to the present moment, that's a victory. And every time you start thinking about the staff meeting at six o'clock or five o'clock in the afternoon and that's the known and you stop and you return back to the present moment, you're disinvesting your attention and energy out of that future and you're making room for the unknown in your life and that's a victory. And when your will gets greater than the program because most people lose their free will to programs because they are, they are on that wheel where they are, you could take their yesterday and lift it up and set it on their tomorrow because they're in the habit of doing everything in a routine way. So then when they've lose their free will to a program and their body, which is a habit, has become the mind, now their body's dragging them into a predictable future. And they've lost their free will to a program. And you sit down and you, your body is telling you, I'm gonna die in this meditation, I'm gonna suffocate, this is gonna end, I can't. And you just keep settling it back down. Every time you do that, it's a victory. If you're gonna say, I'll do it later, I'll do it tomorrow or Monday, you're in a program. Yep. <laughs> right, because you actually should be doing it in the moment, right? right? So then I assert that if you're not in the present moment, you're running a program. And so the more, listen, <laughs> paying attention is being present and it's a skill. And you know when someone's present with you in your life because they're paying attention to you. And you know when they're not present with you because they're not paying attention with you, to you. So then imagine you're going to create and you're not present. How could you miss the moment of creation? You then are in the known. You're in the familiar uh, past or the predictable future. So that, 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 that sweet spot of the generous present moment, if you keep practicing overcoming your body, overcoming the conditions in your environment, and overcoming that predictable future in the familiar past, and you keep working for the present moment, you are going to develop the habit of being present. And if where you place your attention is where you place your energy, and you're in the present moment, you got a lot of energy to use. You got a lot of energy to execute. You got a lot of energy uh, to design a destiny with. I'll be the first person to say that we already know how to do this. Yeah. We, we, all, we are wired to be creators. We already know how to do it. You just, you just made up your mind that it was more important than anything else. And, and, and you have that vision, you have that possibility, and the moment you feel that emotion, you're connected to your future, and no person no thing, no experience will stand in the way between you and that future. And it's feeling connected to your future, feeling the inspiration, the joy, feeling the exuberance, the, the love for your future every day is going to, just like your body follows your mind to the coffee maker, to the toilet every morning, to the known, your body is gonna follow your mind right into that future because that's where your attention and your energy is. So then, yeah, if it isn't happening in your life, then there's some emotion. <laughs> there's some unconscious attitude or thought process, hardwired. There's some habituation of thought, behavior, or emotional reaction that's keeping you as you. So then if your personality creates your personal reality, and it does, and your personality is made up of how you think, how you act, and how you feel, then the present personality who's listening to this show has created the present personal reality called her life. So if you want to create a new personal reality, a new life, <laughs> 
it means you're gonna have to change your personality. <laughs> that means you're gonna have to start thinking about what you've been thinking about in that 95% and change it. You have to become conscious of your unconscious habits and behaviors, how you speak and modify them. And then you have to look at those emotions that keep you connected to the past and decide, does this emotion belong in my future? And if it doesn't, leave it behind and the memory associated with it. So most people try to create a new personal reality as the same personality, and it doesn't work. We literally have to become someone else. And the act of becoming is a function of overcoming. So that means you gotta light a match in a dark place. And when you sit down and all of a sudden you hear those voices, I can't, it's too hard, I'll never change, it's my ex's fault, it's my boss's fault, you know, uh, I'm too this, I'm too that, I'm too old, I'm too tired, it's too late. And those are the thoughts that are the boundary of the known. And now you're stepping out into new territory and the body that's been conditioned to be the mind emotionally is saying, don't go, don't, don't leave the, uh, the known here. Stick with guilt, it's much better. Stick with suffering, at least you can predict it. And yet your conscious mind is wanting to go for a ride and your body's going, whoa. So, so then it may take a little time to help the body out of the past. It's, it's, it takes some time, right? Uh, so then the person can have a, a great meditation and feel really connected and then get up and then get frustrated on the freeway and judging everybody else. I mean, you just disconnected from the energy of your future and you're back to the energy of your past. Don't expect anything to change. And if you tell me it's because of that person or that circumstance, I'm gonna say, oh, you're back to the unconscious program of being a victim in your life. And so there is a period, a grace period of transformation where we have to cross this river from the old self to the new self. And that, that void, that unknown, is the neurological, the biological, the chemical, the hormonal, the genetic death of the old self. And, and the most people, the moment they step out, and the hardest part about change is making a new choice. The moment you make a new choice, get ready. You're leaving the known. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be unfamiliar. There's going to be some uncertainty. You can't predict. You're not in the known any longer. And most people, you know, they step out and they hear that voice. It's too hard. You never change. And they believe in that thought. And that thought leads to the same choice, which leads to the same behavior, creates the same experience, produces the same emotion. And then they say, oh, this Aubrey feels right to me. No, that feels familiar. So, so then if you're becoming conscious of how you speak, you're sitting in your meditation and you're becoming aware of how you act, that you complain and you blame and you make excuses, you feel sorry for yourself, you judge other people. Now you're conscious of what you were unconscious of. That's a victory too, because consciousness brings awareness and there's an energy that goes along with that. And now all of a sudden, you're not in the program. You're the consciousness observing the program. You're outside the jar. You're objectifying your subjective self. You're seeing yourself through the eyes of someone else. And then when you look at those emotions and you say, my goodness, I, I didn't even know it was guilt. I just, I, it, I, this is how I always feel. I didn't even know it was guilt. Now I know. All right, well, now that you know, you can't not know. So then what are you going to do? You're going to live with the knowing that you're, you're a victim or you're guilty or you're suffering? No, the insight isn't going to do anything until you initiate some type of change. So then... You say, I'm gonna stop blaming, complaining, make excuses, feeling sorry for myself, judging other people. Now, you're in the river. And there's a tug for the brain and body to go back to the familiar past. And, and every day, if you just work on practicing and changing it, you will go from one state of being to another state of being. And you will begin to think differently. What thoughts do I wanna fire and wire in my brain? That's a good question. What behaviors? Do I want to demonstrate in one day the act of closing your eyes? As an athlete, you know this, and you begin to rehearse in your mind, mentally rehearse what you're about to do. Begins to install the neurological hardware in your brain 
to look like you've already done it. Now the brain is no longer a record of the past. It's now a map to the future. And if you keep hitting that hardware over and over again, the hardware is going to become a software program. And who knows? You just may start acting like a happy person. There's no magic there. You're, you're actually following suit of how you primed your brain. And it's no different than training in any sport or dancing the salsa or whatever you do. And then here's the toughest part. The toughest part is, can I teach my body emotionally what that future feels like before it happens? Now, that sounds really easy, but when it comes down to feeling gratitude before the experience, most people go, uh, yeah, I gotta go. I'm, yeah, <laughs> didn't really feel it, you know. But the person who says, I'm not getting up, I'm just not gonna get up until I open my heart to life. Now, to me, that's, that's a willingness. So then as they trade guilt and suffering for joy and freedom and, they, and inspiration and a love for life, and they're doing it without relying on anything outside of them, they're going to be more prone to no longer need anything outside of them to make them feel that way. They're going to feel that way naturally. And then everybody's going to be really suspicious, like, he changed his medication. Ooh, he's doing something. He's not telling me. You know, you're going to show up unpredictable in your life. And that's when we begin to become outstanding or supernatural or extraordinary. But you can't take any of that with you to become someone else. And if someone says to me, well, I really can't do it because I've had this experience 22 years ago or 30 years ago, I'm going to say to you, that event had such a strong emotion that you haven't changed since that experience. And forget about the experience. Just overcome the emotion because the memory without the emotional charge is called wisdom. And that's why we're here. So then you can look back at the past and you can say, wow, I learned something really great. I'd never do that again. And by the way, when the experience finally lands in your lap and you prove to yourself how powerful you really are, that you created something by thought alone, and that event comes in a way that you never expected, that surprises you and leaves no doubt that what you were doing inside of you produced an effect outside of you, and you are exuberant and you feel worthy of life and feel grateful to be alive, that you are in love with the moment. You will look back at your entire past in that moment, I swear, and you will not want to change one thing in your past because it got you to that present moment, and that's when it was all worth it. That's mm. when it all makes sense. Now you're free from the past, and now you're not, you're not thinking about the past any longer. You're believing in your future more than you're believing in your past. Yeah. You're more in love with your future than you are with your past. And, and, and the cool thing about that is that if you truly practice like that level of gratitude or embracing the emotions of your future, you're literally, if you understand, you're changing your gene expression when you're doing it. You're strengthening your immune system when you do it. All of a sudden, you start to see all these fundamental benefits that are a side effect of your efforts. It's going to become something that you want to do all the time, something that you look forward to. And I, and I, and I think that uh, that's why we're here. I think, and, and when you truly get to that point, like, that's a, it's, a, it's an unlearning. We're hypnotized. We're conditioned into believing we need a reason for gratitude or joy, and consumerism makes it really clear, right? Until I get that, I'm this. But what if you've been creating, and every time you have the thought of your future, you've done it so many times, it makes you feel like you're connected to your future. Well, that's a conditioning as well. If you have the thought of your future and you feel the lack that it's not there, then you're back to the victim, right? But if you can have the thought, and the thought actually produces, just like fear, the thought of something terrible happening in your life creates the feeling of fear, the thought of something wonderful in your life creating the feeling of gratitude. Then when you think about your future, 
you begin to emotionally condition your body into that future. Now, here's the payoff. Thoughts are the electrical charge in the quantum field, and feelings are the magnetic charge in the quantum field. And how you think and how you feel broadcasts information and energy into the field. So, Into the collective field. In the, into the unified field. So the yeah. question is, what are you broadcasting every single day? So then, if then, we know that once you begin to self-regulate and you begin to open your heart, just in that small exercise that we did, the act of creating that kind of coherence in your heart begins to produce a measurable magnetic field up to three meters wide. That heart is actually producing a resonance. That energy, that, that frequency carries information. And when your heart is open, this is our center of oneness. This is our center of wholeness. This is the union of polarity and duality. This is the, the connection of opposites. So when the heart starts to become activated and we start to feel whole, and it begins to put that energetic pattern into the field, that frequency can carry the thought of your health. It can carry the thought of your wealth. And the frequency that, that, of suffering can't ca ca carries, carries different thoughts. It yeah. can't carry the thought of health. 70% of the time, people live in survival, live in stress. And that invisible field of electromagnetism that's surrounding the body, that resource of energy, is going to be squandered into chemistry. And every time you react, the field around your body shrinks a little bit more, and you become more matter, less energy, more particle, less wave. And then the hormones of stress cause you to narrow your focus on the cause. So when you narrow your focus on the cause, you're focusing on the particle in quantum physics, matter, and your senses are take, so conditioned into focusing on matter that you're beginning to experience separation. So the more I live by the hormones of stress, the more I have separation. There's separation between me and you, and my senses are fooling me into it. But the unified field says there is no separation. So then if you're addicted to those emotions and you're you're, they're heightening your senses, that's what they do in survival, and you become a materialist, and your field around your body is shrinking, then you're going to feel separate from the quantum field, and it's going to take a long time for you to create what you want, because you're separate from the field, and you will be matter trying to change matter. So the moment you begin to activate the center, this is our connection, this is our first connection to the unified field. The moment energy moves into the center, and we've measured this, the field around the body expands, and once there's energy in the heart, guess where it goes? straight up to the brain. The heart acts as an amplifier. And literally, it begins to increase energy in the brain. So now, once that field begins to expand, and you get beyond, you take all of your attention off your body, off the people in your life, the things you own, the place you need to be in time itself, and you become pure consciousness, and you take all of your attention out of this three-dimensional reality, out of the known, and you start putting your attention on that field. There is a technique that we teach to do that. And you begin to feel connected from that field. Now. The faster the frequency, the higher the emotion you feel, the shorter amount of time it's going to take for it to appear in your life because the faster the frequency, the closer you're getting to oneness and wholeness. So then when you teach people how to get beyond all of the elements in this three-dimensional reality and begin to open their heart, their heart, that frequency is their connection to the field. The moment they open their heart, they become more energy than matter, more wave than particle. And now that becomes the amplifier that begins to generate a whole new set of thoughts a whole new consciousness. And that heart center then makes us want to serve, mm. makes us want to take care of one another, to inform one another, to help one another, to give to one another, to heal one another. That's, that's what creates unity. We know this to be the case. We've taken 1,000 people in a room. We've set 50 people in the front of the room wearing HRV monitors, heart rate monitors, and we've told the entire audience to move into heart coherence and brain coherence and have the intent for the greatest good for the people sitting in the front of the room. In a matter of seconds, all their hearts go into coherence at the exact same time. 
in the exact same day in the exact same meditation. They're being influenced by energy and their autonomic nervous system is being entrained to a new frequency. So imagine then, you begin to change your energy, you begin to affect many people in your life. If you're, connect, if you're feeling connected to all possibilities, <laughs> then it makes sense then that once you're connected, you don't have to worry about how it's gonna happen and when it's gonna happen, it's none of your business. It's like your consciousness is already communicating with the consciousness of all of the collective consciousness around you, which we're all connected to ultimately. And the closer you get to source, the more you can surrender and go deeper, the more connected you are, then how it plays out in three-dimensional reality, leave it up to the greater mind mm. and just live as if your future has already happened.